With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivich. Josh Kerr. David Rivich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivich. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Rivich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with a woman that somehow has the time to be on this podcast. On the runner side of things, she recently finished six in the Olympic trials in the marathon, and then very recently ran 31-34 in the 10K. In addition, she is one of the most diversified athletes we've had on this podcast with a blog, merch line, nutrition products, and most importantly, two young children. All that was put aside and is now second best at 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on the 8th of September. To join us here is, of course, Stephanie Bruce. How's it going? Good. That was a really great intro. <laughs> <laughs> I work hard on them. I really do. Yes. <laughs> it's unfortunate that Josh always gets flattered with the intros um, because he does put a lot of good work into that. And I always know he blushes with a big smile at the end. Um, so we wanted to ask right off the bat, as our first NAZ athlete, what makes this uh, podcast better than all the NAZ athletes, <laughs> NAZ podcasts? <laughs> oh, man, Nick and Rory and Matt are going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, I can't say yet. It's only been one minute in and I've done a whole <laughs> podcast and I train side by side with those guys. So it's going to be pretty hard to top them um, up on my um, on my list. All right. You, have you been on their podcast? <laughs> I have. Yeah. If you search. um I don't know if like gifts come up, but basically I said like vagina four times on their podcast and that's what they, that's what they do to lead. Um, with nice. My- yeah. Then, like then you won't have a, an issue then naming this podcast because we let our guests name the podcast at the end of the episode. So maybe it'll just be episode seven vagina. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what goes there. But um, in terms of like the balance, like Josh was saying in that intro, family and running are very, are two things very important to you. So let's talk about that balance. Like how can you be so successful on the track while also being like a very successful mother? From what we see over social, you may be a terrible mom, but what we can see, you're doing good. (laughs) I like that you say that because yeah, some days I do feel like a terrible mom and some days I feel like a terrible runner. But um, on the converse, I also, I think, excel really well at both. But I think the balance is just realizing like when you're in the role of, you know, for me going to practice being the pro runner those two to three hours a day in the morning like that's when i'm all in i'm focused i'm not thinking about my kids at home i'm thinking about what my task is today like what is this workout doing for me for the next couple weeks or visualizing try to make the olympic team you know finish on the podium of a major marathon so i'm very much um honed in when i'm at practice and being a runner but then when i'm home i'm very much a mom and i think you have to be able to Uh, compartmentalize your life and I've noticed you know the older I've gotten my career I think the more um, I guess like hands you have in different pots as a professional runner the more well-rounded you are and that helps you deal with like adversity in your training and racing you know when you don't hit a goal you don't go home and all you have to do is think about running because you have nothing else you know going on for you and so that was probably um you know an incentive for me over the last couple years to really start to share like a lot of my journey so that perhaps other professional athletes could see like you don't need to just be home playing video games to be successful uh you know pro running because i think at a time that used to be the model and people thought can't Mm -hmm. do anything else you just have to eat sleep and breathe running all day long um and i'm here to tell you you don't need to do all those things you can be multifaceted 
Are you, are you throwing shots because then me and Josh play video games or like are we getting into banter early or? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess I could ask what your guys' favorite video games, but I think you're already a step ahead because you have a running podcast and yeah. that's more than, you know, a handful of other professional runners do. So I think you guys are getting it, which is really cool to see. Yeah, no, we appreciate that. We, we try to do those things. Um, I'll follow up with that um, question that you just had or the, the comments that you just had off that question. So like, what's that advice then for the new parents? Is it um, that they should give like advice for new parents as full-time athletes? Um, is it like those two to three hour focused hours of the day that you hone in on that goal, you hone in on that vision, and then the rest of the day, you can kind of take a step back and enjoy the time with your family? That's hard to answer. Um, because even though I do say like, I'm really focused at practice, it, it be remiss if I didn't say that I am focusing on my career like the other 20 hours of the day because yeah. you know to be a full-time athlete like sleeping is part of work uh, nutrition is part of work getting massage therapy chiropractic doing gym work so essentially like we are on uh, 24 hours a day as pro mm -hmm. athletes but there's a little less um, intensity and a little less focus. You know, when I am home with my kids, I'm really trying to be like, okay, if my kids are at daycare or they're at school and I know I have to pick them up at 3.30, my goal is to have like all my training done and all my lifting by the time they get home. So then it's family time for mm -hmm. the you know, evening hours. But I also don't want to say that I'm perfect at it. I definitely yeah. am home and I'm multitasking and I or I get back from a really hard workout and my kids want to play with me. And I'm like, that's great. Let's watch something on Disney plus. So I throw on a movie for them because you know, I'm lazy. So I don't want people to have this perception that like, here I am just like whipping up meals for my kids, playing with them, doing all this while training full time. Like I'm a very lazy athlete, you know, when it comes to time to recover, but I think I just have like a healthy balance and healthy perspective on it. I think people from the outside see, um, like being a professional athlete, especially a professional track athlete, is being quite a good job to have kids where, because you have all, like, all the extra time or whatever, like, you know, where, where people, you know, do podcasts or play video games or whatever. So do you think that um, being an athlete is an easier job than maybe a nine to five desk job just because you have that little bit more flexibility in your job or is it a bit more difficult because of how much time and effort you should be putting in your, into your recovery as well? I think it's both. It's easy in many ways um, because I try to remind people, you know, I always get asked like, wow, how do you do this? How do you fit in the time? And I have to remind you, well, I get paid to take naps. I get paid to eat well. I get paid, you know, to sleep eight to nine hours a night. I get paid to train and race. So a lot of that is like a big privilege being a professional athlete. And so it is easy than many other jobs, I would say. But then there's also difficult times because it requires a certain type of lifestyle, a certain routine where I remember many years earlier in my career, I missed a lot of friends' weddings. I'm sure we can all, mm -hmm. you know, you know, remember those times you said no to a lot of your friends going out. You missed that party because you had a race coming up. And um, yeah, I did that a lot in college. And I used to have like regrets about it. Um, but then I realized like that feeling of crossing the finish line, knowing you put everything into that training cycle, whether you were first or you were sixth there was like never any regret. Cause I'm like, I would so much rather have had that feeling than like the party I missed. Um, and I think friends and family of professional athletes, they're so understanding of like the journey mm -hmm. that we're on, that this is so unique. You know, no one ever, um, you know, gets upset that you're not making, you know, time for like the birthday party or whatever it is. So yeah, I think, um, 
I definitely think it has, it has both the easy and hard moments, but at the end of the day, to be paid to do what you love and get up every day, you know, that's a huge privilege. I like um, what you're talking about, the sacrifice there. And I think a big thing for me personally as well is like, I think less of the, the sacrifice is like, maybe it's not as much if I was out and I was on my feet and I was, you know, not recovering as well. It's also like the next day I'd be like, I had to sacrifice this. So that means I'm going to put so much more effort into the actual job that I'm doing where the sacrifice is actually not, you know, that, that, that big a deal. Um, one, uh, one little thing I coined while, while writing this uh, is NAZ Babies Elite. Um, so what are the thoughts on NAZ Elite providing a baby babysitting service during practice? Is that a possibility? <laughs> that you reckon, you reckon, you reckon, like you reckon that's it? That, that's I wasn't thing? sure where you were going with NAZ Elite Babies, but I like that you went there. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. No, no, all right. Yeah, no, I, you know, I feel like your team, because... Um, quite a lot of you guys are marathoners and you know obviously you're a long distance you know, focused team and maybe you guys are a little bit older versus like a younger track team that's just like like on running or something like that where you know like quite a lot of you guys have kids right so you know get some get some babysitting services oh absolutely I mean we've I've definitely had like random fans reach out and they're like are you I will babysit your kids at Chicago <laughs> Marathon, <laughs> you know, just like total strangers that are like, they, I've had instances where I had a, I brought a babysitter to New York Marathon and she told me later that day that she was in the elevator with them. And she's like, some ladies were looking at her and they were like, hi, Riley and Hudson, <laughs> like the women oh my. recognized my kids. <laughs> and then my babysitter was like, Yes, these are Stephanie Bruce's kids. So it was like a really funny that That's was awesome. my kids are on social, I guess, a lot. But um, yeah, no, I think a team babysitter would be great. My um, our full time right now is actually Roy Linkletter's wife, Jill. She awesome. is our, right. she is our babysitter, um, and she's a teacher. So the boys are really lucky to have her. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah, I was. Um, that loops into our next question, which is like teaching kids during lockdown. But then also, have you ever taken up any of those random DMs of watch my kids? Or do you have like a little trust barrier there? I don't think I've had like random strangers watch my kids, but I've definitely had random strangers like do different things for me. Like someone offered to like, I don't know, I think it was like get me coffee or something that like I couldn't get to at yeah. a major marathon. And I was like, you know what? I'm sure the likelihood of them being dangerous is pretty low. So I have a pretty high trust level. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So teaching the kids during the lockdown, um, I hasn't been difficult for Josh or I, we don't have kids. Um, but how has the school system been then for you and with Jill, I guess, being a full-time babysitter, what, what's that scenario been like? It's been interesting to say the least. Um, yeah, the room that I'm currently sitting in looked like a classroom. It was like multifaceted early in March. This was like the treadmill room. So like kids would be doing homeschooling in quotations. I was running on the treadmill. Um, we'd have like Ben doing work on his computer. This just like served the purpose of like our quarantine area. And like the first couple of weeks was exciting. I felt like everyone had that same experience. Like there were all these gifts going around and jokes and you were like, okay, like we can do this, <laughs> you know? And then after six or seven weeks, uh, truthfully, the sustainability was just difficult. You know, I think people missed running together. We weren't training as a group for a long time. Um, and as much as we are very intrinsically motivated, a huge part of running is that human connection and interaction and, you know, training with your teammates, training with training partners. Um, so all of that was difficult. And then it went from like 
teaching my kids to like, let's watch one hour of television to like May. We were like, I don't care. Eight hours of television, get on your <laughs> Kindles, like whatever you want to do. I just don't want to hang out with you guys anymore. Um, so it was, it was rough for a few weeks and it's all relative because was our life really that hard? No. Um, is having my kids home with me all the time that difficult? No, but it was just so different than our routine. And I miss travel. I miss going to races and yeah, it was just a surreal, you know, feeling and it has changed in some ways, but then school really went back for two weeks ago, but it's still virtual. So the kids are home and we're having babysitters, you know, come over and help teach. So there's no one person, you know, to blame. The teachers are doing amazing. Parents are doing amazing, but the whole situation is just very unsustainable. So I can see you have the uh, the treadmill in the background, you have the sauna, the, the team sauna in the background. I, I wanted to kind of move on to more running type of things. And, and you know, what benefits do you, you know, see with a brand like Hoka and, and training with a group like NEC Elite? Like what, what like day to day, what benefits do, do those two things bring to your running career? Yeah. So, you know, I've been running professionally for, oh gosh, uh, 10 plus years, 12 years maybe. And it was interesting because I did the group model for a little bit. And then my husband, Ben and I, we were solo and he was coaching me. So we've seen both. And then when uh, Ben Rosario and Jen Rosario moved to Flagstaff and they had this vision of, we want to start a professional running team, but like by every definition really mean professional. And Ben is a huge sports guy. So he looked at, you know, what NBA, NFL, like what the big sports were doing and what were we missing in running. And I think to tick all those boxes, it was knowing that like, this is your full-time job, you know, like nine to five, 24 hours, what have you. Um, But it doesn't just, require showing up to practice and running workouts you know it is around the clock it is being an ambassador for your team for your sponsor for hoka it's sharing the journey you know essentially professional runners are hired to move the needle they're hired to sell shoes of their sponsors and sometimes i think we get away from that and we think uh, a handful of our performances just warrants that attention and that will grow the sport but there's a lot more effort you know that has to go into it and i think even in the year of 2020 not acknowledging the impact that social media has and the influence and being able to reach people um, you know that would be a disservice to knowing like what your job as a professional athlete is and so that was the mission of NAZ Elite Um, we wanted to you know race hard train hard race fearlessly and share every part of the journey and we've had the support of Hoka since the in since the inception of the group and it's just been amazing that we've kind of grown together with them um, as well. Yeah, because I know our coach Danny Mackey has like mad respect for Ben. Um, they they talk a lot, and I know in a a beast post, and when you're doing a photo shoot, Danny challenged Ben to a mile, I think, or maybe it was even a half. I can't remember the exact story. It was just a quick little snippet story on the uh, Instagram. But so you talk about the athlete's job as professional runners, which I do fully agree with you. Like me and Josh, like this podcast is a way for us to kind of build a community of runners, kind of get people more involved because like track and field is one of the most personal professional sports there are. Like you could go on a run with a high school, um, junior high, college, semi-pro, or even retired runner, like at any time, if they're all running the same pace with you. Right. So you can't really do that in any other sport as well as we can. And we're trying to build platforms and connect people and ultimately create a community that we're proud of that can help grow the sport because the future of track and field 
really does start with us and like our efforts and our um, encouragement that we put into the future is, is just going to make the sport even better. So we won't get into then our um, differences in when we started professional running. I think I'm on two years now. I think Josh is also on two years. Yeah. So um, we're, we're a little bit newly minted into the scene, but how has the sport developed then since you signed your first professional contract to the point where it is now? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me go back. Uh, Coach Ben did accept that mile challenge and okay. he, went, he went sub five at altitude. Okay. Well, we're going to make sure we send it over to Danny. Yeah. See what Danny's got in him. <laughs> um, okay. So how has it changed? Yeah. So I came out of college in 2007 and I mean, the biggest thing just performance wise is like how incredible and the depth of us distance running in America, you know, has become, Take, for example, I ran 33-28 in college, and I was fifth at NCAs. Like, that's okay. not even making NCAs now for a woman. So it's just incredible to see on both men and women's side. But for me, it's very cool to see, particularly on the women's side. I think, you know, coaches, programs are realizing women can handle more training. They're mm -hmm. realizing, hey, they can run 10K just as easy as men. You just have to give them the training. Um, you know, so their workouts are becoming comparable. Their mileage is comparable. And then the biggest thing on the professional side, I think, is this development of long distance groups. And you're seeing that with your group, with Poca NAZ Elite, um, New Jersey Track Club, Bowerman Track Club, Mammoth Track Club, the new on, I mean, Hanson's distance project, there's the group system, I think, is what is leading to not only the physical development, but the mental development of, okay, like this American just won a medal. I train with them. I can win a medal. This American just made the Olympic team. Like I train side by side. I can do that. So it's almost this, if you can do it, I can do it. And I think that has been um, a huge investment that shoe companies are starting to realize there's a lot more, not necessarily control, but there's a lot more investment that when you can put it into the hands of a coach that they trust, and then you can put it in this setting of a group, um, there's a lot of accountability and I really think you're seeing a resurgence over the last, you know, 10 years yeah. we're able to do on the world stage. And, and that's gotta be from the groups. So, I mean, you, you, you know, have to be in one of the best positions group wise for, for your own distance. I mean, what you, you had three women in the top eight at the, you know, the Olympic trials marathon. I mean, how is that? I mean, you're surrounding yourself with the best people. I mean, you're always going to do, do amazing things like that. Like what's it like training with those girls on a daily basis? Yeah, it's, um, you know, this February was surreal, considering it was the last major race of 2022 is pretty surreal. But we did a, um, I think it was a post race interview, the three of us, and someone was like, when did you know Alphine was gonna win or make the team like they were asking at what point in the race. And I was like, Oh, I knew 10 days before. <laughs> because I was in training with her. And I thought, if I'm getting my ass kicked by this much, and I believe I can make the Olympic team. I know that she's absolutely going to crush and she's going to win the trials. Um, you know, did I think I can make the team too? Yeah. And it came pretty close 19 seconds, but um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible experience and having Kellen, you know, run on a broken shin, which she didn't realize she had after um, and she got eighth. I think it's just a testament to 
three things, the investment that Hoka had in us and then our coach, Ben, he has always been a very grounded, level-headed, like we dream big, but he likes to say we don't live in fantasy land. So he never told the three of us that we had a shot to make the team, but didn't believe we had a shot. And I think that has helped us in our careers to not necessarily tell people or tell athletes they're up here when they're right here, um, because I think that can lead to overtraining, that can lead to always feeling like you're not achieving, you know, like those goals are coming short because you don't have a realistic idea of like where you should be at. So a huge testament to like our program there. That's cool. I know um, that me and Dave were, yeah. we were at the race and um, that has to be one of the like craziest conditions. Um, I was like, I came out the, we ran that morning, I think. Yeah, we ran that morning and it was like 21 minutes and I'm like, and I'm done. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to call like, it a day. Um, three miles. This is horrible. Good luck. <laughs> um yeah it's it's definitely i mean being at the olympic trials for the marathon that was my first marathon i'd ever been at in completion like i went to a new york city marathon once but um i did a run and then came in only for the second half and but being at the olympic trials i was just like this is legit like this is professional running i mean like the the environment there was surreal i mean i've been at track meets at the professional level where they're is maybe 25, 30 people in the stands. But when I went to the the marathon trials, I'm like, everybody knew for the most part, like exactly what was happening in the race. They'd say like, oh, this is this person, this is this person. And it's just like, that was exciting as a, as a fan and spectator. And like, even though I'm a professional track athlete, like seeing professional running at that level was surreal. And I even remember seeing tweets go up. Um, and I think Alphine, replied to one and like she wasn't even scheduled to win you know like there's someone that said like these are the women that are going to make the team or this is going to be the person to win and she just like tweeted the day before like i'm going to leave this right here and i thought that was so badass because then the next day it like blew up again i'm just like the the belief that she had and you guys had in each other is like i follow your guys's program you your guys is one of like the few professional groups that i still follow over instagram and it's like it was also very cool to see from a fan perspective the success that your guys's program did have at the trials Thank you. Yeah, we um we definitely are always dark horses and we keep being like, what else do we have to do to like kind of be called like maybe they'll be in this race. But same thing like Kellen and I, I was third at USA's in the 10K and then we were three, four last year and it's still always like, oh, I wonder if, who those women are, you know, but <laughs> it's kind of like it's fine because it just adds fuel to the fire and I'm not in the sport to, you know, like get appreciation or accolades or anything like that you know but sometimes in the running world you know you would hope uh, people would start paying attention and just quit calling us old and that like maybe we don't have the speed because we we keep showing up and keep producing results but um that's okay like it doesn't affect how we how we do it we still have a lot of confidence in ourselves yeah um because i follow you guys i know some of the stuff that you do and i want to know this because i feel like every workout i see that I'm impressed by gets topped again. Like what's the nuttiest workout you've done in flag? On oh, flag. I was going to say um, in Camp Verde, we did 15 by a mile uh, with one minute rest. Um, and we averaged 520. Oh, I don't know. Maybe 520, 522 or 523. On the um, roads? Uh, on the roads, yep. Um, that would have been pretty rough. Though, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was four days be before we ran Kellen and I ran the um, half marathon in Phoenix and then Alfie and ran Houston. So we weren't like tapering for the race at all. And then probably our nuttiest, I guess for you guys, like more marathon workout, we've done um, 
what do we do? 10, 10, where we do like a two mile warm up, and then we do 10 miles at 620 pace. And then we did 10 miles um, averaging 538 pace and then two miles. So 22 miles for the day. Jeez. What's the thought process behind the two mile warm up? <laughs> um, it's just to like, it, like it's a little shocking to like just run 620 pace out the yeah, gate. So. We still yeah. are old, and so we need to activate. Um, and it's actually just to get extra mileage on the day. So uh, okay, yeah, because you didn't get enough. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little extra fatigued in there. Yeah, I mean, we're talking to Josh. I'm sure like you've had weeks where you've doubled Josh's uh, mileage on it and I, I had my experience with some mileage uh earlier this year and felt very proud of it um What's but your guys high mileage josh do you want to start it off we'll go low to high no comment um no i i moved up after like during quarantine and stuff i i used to last year it was like average like between 60 and 65 but you know i'm a big 70 guy now so you know it takes a lot of time <laughs> yeah yeah i i went up to like I had like a, a good like 12 week block where it'd be like four at 95, then back down to 70, then at 95 again. And we're kind of, uh, we're experimenting with that. And like the workouts were phenomenal. Um, but then again, like, I mean, I want you to say your mileage too, but to add like everyone is different as we're saying, like right now, like we're all at this level, but you no, can't just jump. Everyone needs to run hundred miles a week, week <laughs> in, week out. It is the only recipe for success. All right, go ahead, Stephanie. You, you can you can talk um, to us. I mean, my highest like one mileage week is one twenty two, but I rarely do that like in a row. So yeah. I would say like my average during a marathon cycle would be like one hundred five to one ten, um, but that's only probably four to five weeks, and then really I hover around one hundred. Is that all like surface running, or do you do like do you count in cross training as well, like biking or swimming? I don't cross train at all. That's all running. Dang. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Yeah, Josh doesn't cross train for his mileage either. Uh, we want yeah. also. Say I just that. don't know. There's something about doing something else. I'm just like I don't really see the point. I have a hard time. Like I don't want to offend people, but I have a hard time like calling it mileage. I can understand like some people are more injury prone, and so they have to do it to like build their aerobic system, and that's great. But I just wouldn't call it mileage. I would just say you're cross training for ten hours a yeah. week, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. Blowing my mind. I'm sitting here blowing my mind. You want to hear what that breaks down to? Yes. Yeah. Basically, like the easy days are 10 miles in the morning, four or five in the evening. So, like 15 mile easy runs or easy days. And then, usually, two days a week, a workout and a long run are above 22 miles. So, it's either like a workout in the morning, like maybe that 15 times a mile, that mm -hmm. was the morning. So, I probably got. Uh, 15 I got 21 on the morning because I had three mile warm up three mile cool down and then I might have had a double that day like maybe just to shake out the legs or to be like my coach is sadistic I'd have like a three mile <laughs> double um, and then on the really like spicy weeks he'd have a midweek long run so on Friday we would go 15 miles in the morning and then four in the afternoon and then I'd have like a 24 mile run on Sunday two days later would you would you ever like um miss a double um not if i if i was sick or no usually only unless yeah. i was sick this is the problem i have and i had when i started doubling and it wasn't as much motivation it was more that i forgot i had to do it 
So like when I first started Dublin, <laughs> I would do my run in the morning and then like the next morning I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, I forgot to do that one. That with like the amount of mileage you run, when you get to like where you're running over a hundred mile weeks, you're like, there's no logical math that makes mm. it so you don't. Sometimes I just double and I did the opposite. I'm like, oh shit, I had like the afternoon off. Oh well, oh, you know, and really? I just did it because I thought I had it. So I always look at my schedule now. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a good idea. Did you, how did you build into that then? Cause I'm assuming like when you started your running career, even like you weren't doing massive mileage. Um, so what was like that transition then in terms of development for your running career? Yeah. So high school, I, I ran very little. I ran like 30 to 35 miles in high school. Um, but I loved that because I think I had a really slow development and I think that's why at 36, like I'm still running and still very motivated and my body's healthy. Um, I, I think my long run was maybe like eight miles in high school. And then college was like a slow progression at UCSB. I ran 50 to 60 miles my freshman year, 70, 70, mm -hmm. and then moved into the 80s by my senior year. Um, and then my first couple of years professionally, I really teetered in the 80s to 90s. And I didn't get to 100 probably for about five years after college when I started to like move up to the marathon. Yeah. So very gradual progression each year. Now, Josh, there is hope. You'll get there. Well, you know, I don't think it's necessary. I, I'll run the marathon at some point because I think that training just looks crazy and I have so much respect for it. That I just want to try it to really like dive deep and just have more respect for those people. But it just, it doesn't seem like the right move right now. And it really doesn't. If also, I was as fast as you guys, I don't think I would uh, rush my way out. I'm not saying that I'm slow, but there's a reason like I, my physiology was picked for me. So it was only natural that I was going to run. <laughs> I um, you, you were mentioning before when it came to like contracts and running and how the, how the sports kind of developed. And um, I would love to talk a bit about your social media presence and, you know, your Instagram, you have a great Instagram following. What, what do you think, what's your big, um, you know, what are you trying to get across on your Instagram page? Like, do you have like goals of, you know, what you're trying to tell your audience from your point of view or is there anything like specific that you do there? Swimsuit photos. Swimsuit photos. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I like it. I've been on my break and like, <laughs> I really like hate always putting those up. And I was like, guys, sorry, this is my last swimsuit. And everyone's like, keep them coming. So I was like, <laughs> what my audience, but it's, what's great is like my audience is like all women. It's not yeah. like creepy men, but they're like, love your suit. So um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I really don't like the superficial part of social media that I would rather people listen to my words than like see me in a swimsuit. But every once in a while, it is warranted because I am I am on a boat but um yeah I think that my you know what I'm trying to get across is just like who I am and I I like to believe that if you met me in person and you followed me on social you would say she's exactly the same person like that's exactly what we thought she'd be like um because I would find like social media accounts that you would be following of people and then you meet them in person and you're like oh, wow, like they're not even talking or it's just like the complete opposite of what you would mm -hmm. think. And they, they breed confidence on social media and yet in person, like they don't have any of that. Um, and so 
I think the topics that I discuss um, have changed over the years. You know, early on, it was a lot of my postpartum journey because I realized that a lot of moms were probably going through similar things. And here I was a professional athlete, like dealing with a lot of difficult things that nobody talked about. And I didn't really have, you know, anyone to follow um, like their journey or get advice. And so I just started sharing like what I found that was working for me, what wasn't working. And it seemed to resonate with a lot of women. And then really like every time I get a direct message that someone says like my post it sounds so like shallow to say that it like changed their life. Cause I can't believe that that's possible from an Instagram post. But like when they tell me like that, my words are so meaningful to them. It's just another like reason to keep sharing. Even when I think what I have to say is not that important, you know, in the grand scheme of life. So um, yeah, I'm trying to always speak to like moms postpartum um, to up and coming professional running athletes to current professional running athletes to women to um, yeah, I, I guess anyone that, you know, feels like they want to listen and anyone who is open to, you know, connecting on a lot of the different topics that I share. I find that um, very funny that you say that when, when people come up to you, you want them to see like who you are on social because I had someone come up to me um, like last year, <laughs> came up and said, hello. It was, um, I was like, Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm Josh, you're whoever. Mm-hmm. And uh, they leave, they come back <laughs> and they're like, Oh, you're Josh. I was like, well, yeah, I introduced myself earlier. And they're like, Oh, you look nothing like you do on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh sick. Is that a That's dick? Cool. <laughs> so I don't have that. So my Instagram's fake. I'm all filters. That's horrible. And <laughs> Josh is all filters. I hope they said you look a lot better in person because yeah, I don't know like, which one. I don't know which one's better either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> oh my god. That's so it was it was a bad moment, and I was actually really angry, but I couldn't show it. I was like, <laughs> this is great because they said it's my face, and I was like, oh okay. Like, what answer to that like oh sorry so do you um it, like in relation to that do you think that we're moving towards an era of influence influencer versus ability so in, yeah within track and field yeah um that came up because and i i'm so bad i forget his name so who is the guy that is joining or possibly coming to brooks beast Spencer Brown. Okay. Yeah. So I had read, this was when we were running um, the sunset track meet a few weeks ago. I read something that flow track had put out and it was just the way the tweet was. It was like, um, is this the wave of the future or something? And I like looked at it and I was like, um, that's what professional athletes who are being paid a salary, like have been doing. I think there's a combination of, you have to be at a really high level. You have to be competing for, you know, top USA spots, world teams, Olympic teams, um, you know, podiums at major marathons. Like that's why a company is paying you essentially, but then they're also paying you to move the needle and sell their shoes. And so when that tweet was written, I was like, this is exactly what the job title of professional running was. So I was, I was confused a little as to why they thought, is this the future? I'm like, well, this is what what should be going on kind of, you know what I mean? And then also it's not like he's bad at running. So I think there's a difference of like, yes, uh, should a professional running 
Should a professional runner be hired if it's a guy that has run five minutes in the mile? No, I do not believe that should be the move of the future. Um, but I yeah. think there's a different avenue for that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. And like we have this conversation a lot too. And our sports marketing director, sports marketing director, talked to us about Spencer joining. And I mean, if you just look at like statistically speaking, followers and like a fan base, the younger generation that's growing up with Instagram has more followers. Even the people that maybe even are like five minute milers um, in high school track and field, like they just have this ability to outreach to people their own age. And I mean, opposed to you, um, it's like there's a drop off in terms of followers. Like I think my Instagram accounts maybe around like 4,000 something. And it's like, it's unfortunate that I'm at a point in my athletic career where I'm at like a pinnacle and continue beyond this, this physical moment. But my presence, even though I try and work very hard on it, it's still, there's like a gap swimsuit missing pictures. there. I need to post swimsuit pictures. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then like Spencer Brown, like you're saying, he's still a good athlete. He's ran sub four minutes in the mile, 339 and 1500 meters. So he's joining the team off of his influencer merit, but he still has something to back it. And that's why he's a successful influencer is because he has something to back it. It's not like he's just out here selling shoes. Um, But yeah. So do you think though that when a collegiate athlete is coming out, if they have like moderate marks with great presence, that'll be more valuable than great marks with limited um, marketability. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Um, A few years ago when I, uh, let's see, in 2016, when my son Hudson was seven months old, um, I ran the Olympic standard in the 10K by one second. So the standard was 3215, uh, and I ran 3214. It was a dramatic, like at Stanford, and they were like, oh my gosh, you made it, you know, by a second. Now, I did that, and when I crossed the line, I was like, awesome. Did I think I'm making the Olympic team two months later? No, because the Olympic standard for women was 32.14, but the women who are in our best shape in the U.S. at the time were running 31 minutes slow. So there's a difference, like I said, about like the reality of where you are and like where your goals are. But I was proud because I was like, I have a seven month old baby. So that showed me like I can get back to the top level. It's just going to take me a little bit of time. Um, Do I think like at the time that I should be paid more than someone who's making the Olympic team running faster. No, I do not. But I remember like let's run uh, or someone from there just being like the message board uh, just said like, Oh, I thought she was just a mommy blogger. Like turned out she can run. Um, And that honestly was like a great fuel for my fire because I'm like one, I'm going to keep sharing all the stuff that they think mommy bloggers do, but also I'm going to start kicking ass as my kids get older and I get stronger, you know? And I think the difference is when you talk about like, having an influence over that younger generation, what you're seeing on like Twitter and Instagram, all the numbers and likes and followers is very different when you look at the shallow and the depth of it. So you see kids walking around going like this. They're not reading reading posts, they're just liking stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a difference of having that and then having actually the small amount of people that follow you. And those are the people that are buying shoes. These 17-year-old kids, unfortunately, right now, they're just not buying shoes. So you you can look a lot more popular or look like, you know, you have that influence. But until you have those people 
you know, buying tickets to track meets, filling the stands, buying uh, race entries to major marathons and filling the stadiums. That's what building the sport is all about. You want to influence kids to like love the sport and, you know, grow up it, but really it's their parents, you know, it's the, yep. it's the adults that I think the influence is more important. So for you, I love to talk to you after this and be like, all right, how can we build David up? Because I think sometimes, yeah, like, you know, some men who are really good in sport, like don't know what their niche is and how they can build it. And I'm like, oh, I have 10 ideas for you and how mm -hmm. like you could build and grow that audience. But to me, it's more like having that deep connection with your followers and that shallow, like, 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 like. Yeah. Hmm. I think um, taking uh, notes, Josh, you hear that? You can't be shallow. There's some shallow posts that you do. Well, Josh, I mean, I, obviously you have to, there's a little shallowness. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting you know, roasted here, Dave. Thank you. Um, no, one thing that you did bring up there was uh, who sells the tickets to the track meets. And one thing that I do remember is, um, so the head of sign running, Jesse Williams, who put on that meet for you, uh, for the wooden, I can't even speak right, for the sign running meet, he had an idea of um, having like five or six athletes uh, that, you know, put out a link for, you know, tickets for the races, and then they can get a percentage of the profit from the tickets. So that, that would, you know, that would kind of show who's got the most influence for people coming to races and, and, and selling tickets. So that would be a kind of cool idea. And that's something that he kind of, I'm pretty sure he's okay with me bringing that up. But yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to, to talk about is, um, you just got your hand in lots of different, you know, parts. And I just, you know, what is your, you know, what's your big thing like that you feel like if, if running's over and um, you, you, you got to like focus in on, on all the other stuff you got, you're doing, what's the thing that excites you most? That's hard. I think because I'm so into my career right now, like, and I just feel like it's crazy to think at 36, like, I feel like I'm just taking off. Um, I honestly, like, I'm not seeing past like a few years, you know, like I'm going for the Olympic team in 2021 on the track and then in the marathon in 2024. So I'm very much like all in. Um, but I like to think that the things I'm doing along the way, like you mentioned, I'm just like planting seeds. Um, you know, I founded Picky Bars 10 years ago with uh, Lauren Fleshman and Jesse Thomas. So obviously our energy bar company, that's our baby. Um, and to see that grow, we've got a new product launching very soon. Um, which is very exciting. And then having the develop the grit clothing line. And then my husband and I, we have a coaching business running with the Bruces. So we have like little things along the way. Um, mm -hmm. and we have our adult running camp and I'm, I'm launching a women's re re women's uh, retreat this fall. So I think they all fire me up and I'm just excited to like be able to finish my career, retire and be like, I have so many options right now. And I yeah. don't have to say like, what now? Yeah. So is that like your official announcement then then you're hanging out until 2021 and 2024? That is. You got yeah. my official announcement. We got your official announcement. Yeah, we'll Congratulations. Make sure we'll clickbait. How long will Stephanie Bruce go? We have your answer. <laughs> so we, we want to kind of uh, get some energy in, in it. And this is, we typically try to have our podcast be like a 60 minute bit because like we want to be able to um, intrigue the listeners, but not necessarily keep them around all day. So we're going to get into some fun. Um, we have an either or section. There's a couple um questions in there and all we're going to ask is you don't have any explanation for it you just have to flat out say either or so one or the other um and so I'll, I'll start off with the first one um would you choose your kids getting into harvard or an olympic gold medal for yourself that's a horrible question so there's no explanation either so you have to just kind of go for it 
I don't know. We don't make these games up. We just kind of enforce the rules. You made that question. <laughs> horrible. We ask everyone, even if they're not parents. No, I'm just kidding. It's just for you. I mean, they could get into Princeton as well, by the way. Yeah, just Olympic not Harvard. Gold medal. Olympic gold medal. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll go a little bit easier. Road racing or track racing? <laughs> Road racing. Who is a better runner, Riley or Hudson? Riley. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a funny question. So your you're, uh, Steph Bruce Brand is hiring an assistant. Who is more likely to get hired, Josh or David? <laughs> Ooh, this is interesting. I, I like David's, oh, I can't say either or. I really wanna say why. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave will probably like try and change the rules so you can hear why it's him. Yeah, I mean, please just flatter me. Tell me exactly why you wanna hire me as your assistant. I like David's like attention to detail, it seems like, but I like Josh, Josh's like just spunkiness. I feel like he would just do shit that I was like, yeah, do that. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd do whatever. It's fine. I mean, you, you can hire Josh first, and then when you realize your mistake, you can then hire me. So we'll give you a little escape there. Um, capital of altitude running in the U.S., Colorado, or Flagstaff? Or Albuquerque. Flagstaff. Right, <laughs> Flagstaff? Yeah. Never been to Flagstaff. Never, never done a single run there. So I'm just taking, yeah, awesome. taking notes. Um, okay, so you're off the hook. That's it for the either or, but we are going into – um, another piece before we get into the ever famous banter bowl. So you're the first um, person that we have announced pre-recording. Um, and so we got some fan submitted questions. Um, and one of the questions was, and you can have explanation here. So you can, you can be long winded. Um, so this question from our fans, which was submitted by our coach, Danny Mackey. <laughs> we don't um, have a lot of fans. The other ones from our mom. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Sure. And the other ones are written by us and we just say it's from a fan. Um, so Danny asked if Steph was USATF president, what is the first thing she would do? Wow, Danny, that's yeah, that, that's a hard question. What that is a hard that? question. What would I do? I, I think I know what I do, but I want. Unfortunately, I'm not the guest. You know. Wow. Okay. Um, they would kick agents out of the game. Reduction I would. <laughs> I would lower my salary. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's the first thing that came to my mind. So what's, this, what's their salary? I haven't heard. It's, there's this ridiculous statistic out um, for USATF where it talks about the salary of the governing body and the lack of tax um, return, essentially. And then the controversy of it is, is like the amount that professional athletes get um within the system and like the mm -hmm. average contract i think is like tw 28 or like thirty-two thousand for a professional track athlete and i don't remember the specific number for the the governing body of the usatf but their spending that was tax write-off was significant and that could have gone a long ways for athletes that pay their own way and work full-time jobs to do what they do honestly i would what would be exciting i know i couldn't do it i would just start to hire all my all professional or former professional athletes that I know, I'd hire Will Lear, Lauren Fleshman, Tiana Bartoletta, uh, Christian Taylor, like just all these people that I'm like, let's do this, guys. Like people that have been in the sport and I feel like want to solve all these problems and we would collectively find a way to do it. Um, yeah. 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 I'm curious to know the athletic background from the governing body as well, but we'll, um, yeah, I'll do some research. Josh, you want to ask the next one? Shade, 
Um, who wins a half marathon, Steph, Josh, and David? From Kay Wilson. Uh, Steph. Steph. I would also put Steph. I mean, I don't you're... Know how, like, what, what's your half marathon team? Have you guys run a half marathon? No. Yes. You've run one? I haven't run one. I ran I'm a good long run once, but that's about it. I should say if I have. Oh, say it, Josh. Well, no. So mine was up a mountain. So okay. mm, here he is. Can't really say. You can give it. You can say it. What I don't know how. I, I'd have to look it up. Um, what do you think you could run 13 miles? What pace? Interesting. Probably around about five a mile. Five flat? Nah, probably you think not really. <laughs> don't, don't talk yourself out of it, Josh. I'd be impressed. I, I would be as well. I bet um, you did. Um, we've done 10 mile tempos at 508, but I, I don't know. Maybe I did, ten, I did a 10 mile tempo at altitude, like here in Albuquerque at 507. Oh, and here he is. See what I say? I say 508, 10 mile, then he comes back with the 507. Oh, altitude. So, out, out of the common I courtesy. I think Josh. I think this is a good race. I think actually we have to do this now because my, yeah. my PR is 520 pace. 520? Okay. Yep. See, the thing is, I'd go out at 5 flat and I'd blow up. So no, I'd what you would do is sit on me. Obviously. I mean, if I was smart, but yeah. I wasn't smart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a sit and kick podcast, so we would would most likely sit in the back and let you do the work. And that would yeah. be a, that would be a fun race. That'd, That'd be, be fun. Let's do it. <laughs> so twenty four. This answers the next or the previous question, I guess. How does it feel to be the best road runner on the call? <laughs> <laughs> From yeah. Adrian. It feels pretty good. Do you guys have any ten k road titles or have any training? We do not. I one time finished like ninth in the road mile. I did my first 5K <laughs> last year. That was pretty fun. But yeah. that felt very long. Did you run it at New York? Like the on five? the track? It was a track. We ran oh. it at Oxy. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, I enjoyed the 5K. I don't see me moving up anytime soon. I also was 209th at NCAA 10K cross. So I'm not bragging too much, but that's kind no, of where I'm at. Pretty good. I, I was mean, 99 one year. So. <laughs> I mean, if we're bragging about good marks, I mean, I ran the 5K, the Abbott Dash at the in New York, and I ran like 14.58. And I think the winner that year was Emily Sasson, and she was like 10 seconds slower than I was. And I was like, these girls are fast. Like, that was my intro to the professional running world. I was like, I need to step it up. Um, and Danny's like, that wasn't too bad. And I was like, I, I don't feel good. <laughs> I'm not happy. Um, yeah, so we'll move on to another, the last one. Um, What's it like to run WH foot? That was the only, only thing they asked. What's it like to run? You can give a short wind here. Ooh, um, it is, the cool thing is it's a different experience every time. So something new is, is possibly going to happen on every run. And I think that's the reason to lace up and get out the door. You never cool. know. I like that. Dave, what, what's it like to run? I mean, kind of like what she's saying. It, it's nice to- No, no, no you can't copy. I, well, I was gonna, I was gonna diss you off the copy because I was gonna say because when her and I get to double, we get to enjoy it twice every day, but you only get to enjoy it one time a day. Um, no, but yeah, it's, has no one here ever forgotten to run? I've not, I've not <laughs> forgotten to double. I, I would agree that like typically, I'll accidentally double and then realize it and then just try to cater the week. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I mean, sixty miles is hard if you have to double because I mean that means you have to have I like know. a four mile morning and a two mile afternoon. You, you I've know, done it so. before. I'll do it again. 
<laughs> All right, so Josh, take take the lead on uh, into the next segment, which is our ever famous banter bowl. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I uh, I gave you a little bit of time to kind of do some do some research on us, you know, get be able to throw some shade back at us. But we'll we'll start off and, and roast you a little bit. Well, maybe not you, maybe just like overall stuff that goes on in your life. And we'll start off like reasonably easy. Have you have you ever seen Kellen Taylor um, without a hat on? Is that like without a hat? Without yep. a hat on. Uh, rare, rarely. Rare, rare sizing. Yep. Yeah. We thought that. (laughs) So, um, now this one's for you. We wanted to warm up with a really, really soft banter bolt to start. And so how excited were you when you found out you were having twins and then how disappointed were you when neither of them were girls? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a weird one. Uh, Yeah. Do you mean that I found out I was pregnant accidentally with my second child? Oh, wait, are they not twins? <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> they are uh, 15 months apart. <laughs> nice. All right, so how excited were you uh, when you found out you're having another boy then? I, I mean, was I, not, initially not very excited because I didn't plan that pregnancy. So you kind of did roast me, so good job. <laughs> yes, we, just wanted, we, we just wanted to get that, um, that yep. question in too. Not to be mean, but like look at a picture of them and I love my oldest, but like look how much bigger his head is. Like they are definitely <laughs> different ages. I'm not very experienced when it comes to infants and babies. Um, so when I when I see two young brothers, I'm like, yeah, they're probably twins. Uh-huh, uh-huh. With, with, I thought you had done research on this, Dave. You you just thought they were twins hey, and just hey, went for it? How cool is it uh, to be twin brothers with Josh? <laughs> Pretty much the same question. You are I'm, so useless. I am useless. We are also... You must be twins. We are 10 months apart. So yeah, um, I understand. Um, I apologize. Um, you are so useless. Yeah, Josh, anyway. you want to go ahead? I'm going to log out of the call now. Um, I, I go so- back to that question. I'm hiring Josh. <laughs> oh, no. It's all about your research. Um, <laughs> thing is, they've written quite a lot of these, so I just don't know if any of the information is wrong now. Um, where, where is the most ridiculous place that you've forgotten a child? Or have you ever done that? Hmm. I honestly haven't forgotten. They've kind of gotten like lost, but that's because like they wandered away. Um, that happened in London what time and in Central Park, but that was not my fault. That was definitely their fault and being curious. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask another question. I hope it's not wrong. Um, what is a flat Bruce and how long did it take you to get behind his movement? Yeah. So I actually came up with it. Um, It was about five years ago. We were, Ben was racing um, the Mountain to Fountain 15K down in Phoenix. And we used to see like a lot of runners, they would just take their bib and get their shoes and their jersey. And they're like, let's put it on the bed and take a picture of all my gear. And not to like make fun of anyone, but I'm like, I get it. And that's like, not original but i'm like why doesn't anyone take a photo of themselves like in their outfit and so i was like why don't you just put your jersey on and some people like stand up but i'm like how funny would it be instead of like putting your stuff on the ground like you get in your gear yeah and and, uh he was like sure so then i took a picture but i'm kind (laughs) of like upset that i did this because it's so awkward now everywhere we go like for ben's races i have to like climb up to like the 
the top of a chair. I'm like hanging over. My career is flashing in front of my eyes because if I fall, like I'm going to get hurt just to get this. My husband who's six foot one, make sure I can get him in the frame. And I have to take like 20 shots. It reminds me of, um, have you guys ever seen Husbands of Instagram? Mm -hmm. That YouTube video where <laughs> behind every great woman <laughs> is a brick wall and a husband. Yep. Um, it's kind of like that. So no, it's fun. Um, I got behind the movement like very early on yep. and we just took a family one for our latest race. I know. I, I saw the family one. That was good of your two boys that aren't twins um, separated by 15 months. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very good to know. And so then I take it then Ben is the, the guy on the boat taking a photo of a boat and uh, someone in a bikini. Correct. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So how much have you helped Matthew Baxter with his new son? How much have I held him? Helped. Oh, help. yeah. um, helped. How much have you right. helped Matthew Baxter? Um, yeah, I feel like I, I helped them a lot, like kind of when it was all getting started and when it was uh, like early news and, you know, they, they just were like, yeah, we're bringing a new baby into this world um, and navigating like being from New Zealand and all that. Um, we threw them a baby shower uh, back before Emily had the baby. And yeah, I probably just give like unsolicited advice, like meaning stuff that he's not really asking me, but I'm like, let me just tell you what's going to happen. And um, yeah, you're either going to be ready for it or not, but they're going to be wonderful parents. And it's fun to see like all my teammates who either like look at our lives and they're like, that's so crazy with Riley and Hudson. Like we got to get out of this chaos. Like I can't wait for them to be parents and then look back in like 10 years and be like, Oh damn. Like they balance that pretty well. Hmm. Um, I'm going to skip one of the questions. Cause I know you, you would roast me, Stephanie. So we'll get back to it, but I'm, I'm going to ask one off script. Um, Cause you're talking about parenting. Um, how, how do I, how do I ask this oh, without being weird? Um, well, Dave's also asked a married couple, hey, how'd you like being married in front of about 10 people? So Yeah, I, I did ask a married couple how they like to be married. Um, Because this was along those lines. So like, what was it like being pregnant? Because like, that's something Josh and I will never have to experience in our lives. But I'm curious. Yeah, like what part do you want to know? Not necessarily a part. Um, mostly a um, story from being pregnant. A story. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh I'm trying to think. I didn't have anything like super awkward or funny like happen to me. Um, like stuff that's in the movies, like my water didn't break in public, anything like that. I think like the biggest awkwardness was postpartum. Um, I was like eight weeks postpartum and we were at like a brewery and a lady came up and she was like, how far along are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I just gave birth. <laughs> I just showed like how bad um, like postpartum bodies can look because it still looked like I had a stomach and like it wasn't her fault, but I was like feeling pretty confident. And then I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go back home and have some more wine. Um, but it reminds me of like, you hear a lot of men say, never ask a woman if she's pregnant unless she's on the way to the hospital or you can see the head. <laughs> That's the safest thing to do. Exactly. Um, then I'll follow it up. Uh, is this the most professional podcast that you've ever been on with research included? Well, I would have said yes until Ruined you said it. that I had twins. So that probably is a, you got a 98% on this Ooh, one. Still an A. <laughs> it's fun though. It's like different than, uh, you know, the guys with running rivals. Cause like, I know those guys so well. And I honestly 
we've never really interacted. Like even in yeah. the trap world, um, I've never really hung out with you guys. So it's kind of exciting to be like, we've been in the same circle um, for a long time. This is the first time we've like really communicated. So that's, if anything, from social, from all that stuff, like that's what I love is happening. And I think that can happen more. Yeah, I'll avoid you. I'll, I'll let you know that. I'll avoid you now. Um, but Great. Josh, you... <laughs> Yeah, I was well. I was about to say yeah, that's what we really enjoy with the podcast is we're reaching out to people that we might not have necessarily spoken to in person, but we kind of were. Yeah, we are in the same circle with running and 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 um, being a professional athlete, and well, we just want to hear about everyone's different experiences and then be able to kind of broadcast that as much as possible and just have fun doing it. So, you know, that is kind of the goal of this podcast. And you know, I'll give you I'll give you this time if you've if you've got anything that you know. We've, we've put a lot on you here. We've, we've thrown some, some banter your way. If there's anything that you want to ask us about, you know, how amazing Dave is at research or, you know, how spunky I am, you know, any of those, you know, just throw those yeah. our way. This is the time to roast us. I mean, we give you, we give you the microphone. Okay. Um, I'm probably not going to roast. I'm curious, where in the UK are you from? I'm from Scotland, Edinburgh in Scotland. Edinburgh. Okay, very cool. Because um, one of our best friends is Chris Thompson. You know, all right yeah yeah in the uk okay tomo he's like yeah, yeah. my best friend so that's so cool yeah we love uh yep across the pond we were just there last year for his wedding um in april yep so that was fun Did you, you brought your kids there as well good yep they have been riley's been to uh england twice so wow. pretty much. yep they oh, haven't this, been once this was good oh he hasn't i'm sorry you have a uh, you have a lot to look forward to ahead of you. Yeah, your your kid has a better traveling life than I do. Thanks <laughs> he for, He's for got that. a sweet passport. Um, when we ran uh, the Great South Run many years ago in Portsmouth, um, when we arrived, Riley was four months old, and <laughs> we went to this really old hotel where they were hosting us, and we walked in, and a very old gentleman from the very south of Portsmouth said, "Did you arrive on boat or aircraft?" <laughs> boat um how long would that have taken from the states <laughs> it was like my greatest memory from ever i'm like nothing can top that i really want to say yeah we've been on the boat for about three to four weeks <laughs> we were on the mayflower i don't know if you've heard yeah. of it yeah exactly <laughs> um anyway that's just random no uh i don't want to roast you guys because honestly like what i see and i just am hoping that like this is how we move the sport forward is like more guys like you have podcasts like decide even if things are small or you're just building that you keep it up you keep being consistent about it and I think you know so it's easy to look at me and be like wow what a social presence but like at one point I didn't and at one point I had one person listening to me but then when you just keep doing something consistently over and over again just like distance running like that's how you yield results so if all pro runners could realize when they're healthy when they're injured like all the time just keep forging ahead and whatever like business venture idea you have um and that's how we're gonna like keep growing the sport collectively that's lovely yeah I, I think that's um a fantastic way of looking at it and you know if i was to bring it back to a comedic side um the opposite of that would be uh henry telling us there's enough podcasts in the world so you can't look at it like that there's never enough podcasts in the world and we'll always have time and there's always you know it cost us what 100 bucks to to get on and, and and talk about whatever we want to talk about so there's always a time for it and a platform for it so yeah i think um, we have a lot of fun doing it and we've had a lot of fun having you on today you know talking probably pretty minimally about your running and more about your life but we've had a yeah we've had a great time and, and we've learned a lot and i know our listeners are gonna you know really enjoy this one so 
but Dave, you, uh, you want to ask about the, you want to lead the name of the episode? Yeah. So typically at the end of every episode, we have the guest name, the episode. I mean, we said the word vagina three times in the first two minutes and never came back to that, which I'm totally okay with. Um, but for the guest, you get the privilege of naming the episode. So whenever you're ready. So three, two, one. Getting turned up with Steph Bruce. There we go. Awesome. All right, Steph, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and informing me that you have two boys, not twins. And uh, Josh, any last last minute words? Uh, run 100 miles a week and you will be successful. <laughs> a slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick, he's got to go now. We're with Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Rivish. Josh Kerr. David Rivish. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Rivish. <laughs>